So after our, our last couple of weeks together, that's what we've been talking about is listening to the voice of truth. We've been talking about prayer, talking about having conversations with God because that's what prayer is. Prayer is a conversation with God. And over this time, we've been focusing on these two phrases. The first one is that communication builds connection. So if you think about that, uh, whether you are talking with a spouse or with your children, with a boss or a neighbor, the more you communicate, the stronger that connection is. And thus it is with prayer. Prayer is communication with God. It's a conversation with God. And the more we are in that conversation, the stronger that connection grows. What we also said is prayer is relationship and reliance over request and response. Because many times when we look at prayer, we think prayer is almost a giant to-do list for God. It's like a honey-do list. God, here's all the things I'd like you to do for me. Here are my requests. Now, what are you going to do about it? And yet, when we read Scripture, prayer is a lot less about request and response and a lot more about relationship and reliance on God. And so the first week, we talked about just how do we even pray, learning to engage the act of prayer. And we read through the Lord's Prayer. We talked about the acronym ACTS, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. In our second week together, we learned about uh, learning to trust. That part of prayer is learning to trust God with our prayers. And we looked at the story of Hezekiah and how Hezekiah, the king of, of Judah in Jerusalem, had enemies, a great army that was advancing against the gates. We actually know that historically, outside of the Bible from historical documents, this actually took place. And this enemy came at the gates of Israel and, and the gates of Jerusalem, and, and Hezekiah turned his back on the enemy and laid his requests before the Lord. And he trusted God with the enemies of his life. And you and I, we have enemies. Sickness, pain, brokenness, negativity, hurts. And we are called to lay them before the Lord. And then today, we're going to talk about how do we listen to God, learning to listen to God, because sometimes we struggle with thinking prayer is a one-way conversation, a little bit like this, uh, confession time for me, that there are times when my wife will be talking to me, and she will start talking, and about five minutes into this conversation, which is a one-sided conversation, she will look at me, and she'll, be, she'll say, uh, repeat to me what I just said to you. And I'll say, remind me what you just said to me because I was listening, but I wasn't listening. And I think there are times where we, we think God's like that. We're like, God, uh, uh, repeat to what I just said to you. Did you hear me? Were you listening to me? And we struggle with God's answer to prayer as if it's a one-sided conversation. We're going to look at learning to listen as we pray to God today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we gather here this morning, as we spend time in your word, as we engage this topic of prayer, we thank you that you do listen. Help us to understand that. Help us to see that as we engage learning to listen today in the story of Hannah in the Old Testament. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you, uh, when you were growing up, played with this? Any of you use this when you were growing up? How many of you use this when you were growing up, right? Okay, some of you use the magic eight ball, right? Like we used to love playing with this and, and so you do something like, uh, I don't know, um, oh, will she go to homecoming with me? Outlook, not so good. Okay, it doesn't matter anymore. I don't need a date for homecoming. So, so how about this one? Um, will my Chicago Bears ever beat the Packers again? Ask again later. 
didn't help. I'm asking again later, will the Bears ever beat the Green Bay Packers again? Yes. Sorry to tell all you Packer fans, it's a yes. And in fact, but, but if you had this and you saw yes, uh, what do you do when you don't get the answer you want on a Magic 8-Ball? You shake it again, don't you? So, so some of you would do that again, and let's see what we got this time. Um, reply hazy, try again. So, right, <laughs> you just keep shaking it until you get the answer you want. I think sometimes we struggle with this, like, like God, do I, can I just keep shaking the eight ball till you give me the answer I want? Should, you know, like, like, is that how you even answer prayer, God? Like, is just just random chance? Do I have to say some magic words? Like, like, what do I do to get the magic eight ball of my prayers to give me the answer I want? And you and I, we, we struggle with prayers if God uses some, some random chance magic eight ball to answer our prayers. Today we're going to look at how does God answer prayers, why does he answer prayers, and in what way does he answer prayers. We're going to look at this in the story of Hannah, in 1 Samuel chapter 1. So what I want to encourage you to do is open up your Bibles in front of you, 1 Samuel chapter 1, in the Bible in front of you, it is on page 225 if you brought your Bible from home, 1 Samuel chapter 1, I just can't help you with the page number there. And if you brought a smartphone or iPad, iPhone, Android, uh, if you have a Bible app on there, go ahead and look that up on your, your Bible app, 1 Samuel chapter 1. Let me set the stage for you and what's happening. Hannah is the wife of Elkanah. Elkanah is a man of God at this time who lives in Judah, and as a man of God living there, he married Hannah, and they sought to have children, but they didn't have any children, and so, so some of the practice at that time in order to continue the family lineage is if your wife can't have a child or hasn't been blessed with a child, they would sometimes marry a second wife, and so, so Elkanah marries a second wife named Penina. Penina has children, and this becomes a source of great tension between Hannah and Penina, the wives of Elkanah, to the degree that you hear about this in chapter, in chapter 1, verse 6. And her rival, talking about Hannah's rival, Penina, and her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. So it went on year after year, year by year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And so what would happen is, is they would go up to Shiloh. This is where they would do sacrifices and they would worship the Lord at Shiloh. And year after year, Hannah would go up to the temple of the Lord and pray for a child. So the story we're going to see starting in verse 9 isn't a one-time episode. But Hannah would do this year after year after year, pouring out her heart, weeping bitterly, being provoked by her rival because she has not had a child. And so we hear our text, starting in verse 9. And after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, because they're at a festival, the great feast of, uh, of tabernacles or the feast of the booths, uh, Hannah rose at and now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow to the Lord and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Do you notice how Hannah prayed? Hannah prayed and wept bitterly in great distress before the Lord. And I know some of you know what that's like. 
because you've been there. You've prayed and you've wept and in anguish and distress you've cried out to the Lord. And this is Hannah. Hannah understands what that is like, but notice what she doesn't do in her grief, in her bitterness, in her sadness. She doesn't stop. And can I encourage you this day that no matter what you've been praying about, no matter what you've been, been, been coming before the Lord with, don't give up. Don't stop. Keep coming back. Hannah did this year after year after year, and year after year, uh, the answer from the Lord was no. No, you cannot have a child. No, it's not the right time. No. And yet Hannah never gave up. As you pray to the Lord, don't give up. Never give up. Because God is answering your prayers, and He is answering them in, in His way, and we'll look at that in a second. But don't give up. Hannah, not giving up, continues to pray in, in verse 12. As she continued praying, because she constantly prayed, as she was continuing to pray before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth, and Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips were moving, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. And so here he sees uh, the, the prophet or the priest of the Lord. He sees this woman who's, who's here and, and in the midst of this festival, notice in verse 9 it says they had been eating and drinking in the midst of the festival. Uh, she pours out her heart and, and in doing so uh, she is weeping and she looks like she is speaking but no words are coming out. And so Eli probably knowing it's a festival and thinking that everybody was drinking freely, that this is probably a sign that she's drunk and says this is not appropriate for you to come before the Lord in such a fashion. But notice what Hannah says. Hannah answered in verse 15, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Can I point out to you the two significant things that she says about her prayer? The first one. How does she pray? She prays by pouring out her soul. Do you know that's what prayer is? It's just a conversation with God. It's you talking to God where you're just pouring out your soul. Now, not that God doesn't know. God knows everything that's going on in your life. God isn't like that, that, that neglectful watchmaker who winds up a watch, sets it down, steps away, and, and hopes it just keeps running. God is in the midst of our lives. He knows what's going on. And so, so we're pouring out our soul, not because we think we're getting God's attention or because that's the only way God will know what's going on. It's because as we pour out our soul, it connects us closer to the heart of God. But she pours out her soul. But here's the more interesting part that many times we miss. In fact, I really didn't even catch this as strongly until I read through it this week. It's not as much as what she did in her prayers but what she didn't do while she was praying. Do you notice in the text what it says that she tells Eli that she had not done? What does it say in the text that she did not do? She says, I have not had any what? Alcohol, right? I've had no wine and no strong drink. Why is this significant? What is she praying for? She's praying for a child. 
And if you're praying for a child and you believe that God is going to grant you the requests of your heart and you're going to be pregnant, what do you not drink? Alcohol. Do you see Hannah was preparing before she received what she requested? She was preparing to receive what she requested of the Lord before she got it. Hannah believed that God would answer her prayer. She acted in faith. She was obedient to the Lord before she even received from the Lord what she was waiting for. Is that what you're doing? Is you're pouring out your soul to the Lord? Are you preparing to receive what you are asking of the Lord, whether or not he gives it to you, but acting in faith knowing that God can grant the requests of your soul? Hannah prepares to receive what she prays for. And so as she does this, she, she speaks to Eli, and Eli answers in verse 17 and says, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. And then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Notice what Eli says. Eli goes, goes This is a great woman of God with such an amazing faith that she would even act before she received what she prayed for. So, so my prayer, Eli is saying, is your prayer. And I pray that the Lord would grant you the prayers of your heart. And so she goes away. In verse 19, it says, They rose early in the morning and worshiped the Lord. And then they went back to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. And, and that's just kind language in the Bible for uh, spent time as husband and wife. There are some children in here, so we'll just stop there. But he knew his wife. And the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. When did Hannah worship God? Was it before she got pregnant or after? It was before, wasn't it? She didn't ask God, pray to God, pour out her soul, wait for God to answer, and then worship God in thanksgiving. She prayed to God, poured out her soul, acted in faith, then worshiped God whether or not she got what she asked of the Lord. She was faithful. She said, since my worship isn't based on my thankfulness, isn't based on my praise of you, isn't based on your answer to my, rep my request, but it is based on the fact that I will worship faithfully. I will, I will obey you confidently knowing that you are the God who will answer all of my requests in your own way. Because God always answers our prayers. And while we are waiting, we worship and we pray and we stand confidently and boldly and obediently before the Lord. While we're waiting, we worship. Because God will always answer his prayers, our prayers. He'll always answer them. Sometimes he answers them with a yes, and that's the easiest one, right? Like, like when we get a yes, that is what we love. But there are times where God doesn't give us a yes. He gives us a no or a wait because that's what's better for us because we don't always know what's best for us. Like this. So, so my children this past week, they went trick-or-treating. I bet a bunch of your children went trick-or-treating as well. And they came home with a whole bunch of candy. And uh, they were sitting in the living room doing the great candy exchange. And if you know what the great, uh, if you have children, you know the great candy exchange. It's when they take all the candy out and they start trading it. So, so I'll trade you a Snickers for two uh, Reese's Pieces and a Smarty, right? Like, so they start bargaining and trading. 
And I start seeing my son having more eaten candy than uneaten candy. And I look at him and I say, buddy, stop eating all your candy. He goes, no, I want to eat it all right now. I'm like, can't I eat it all? Nick, no, you can't eat it all. Because I know that if you eat all your candy, you are going to have so much sugar in you, you will never sleep, which means I will never sleep and you're going to get sick. Right? Like, what seems right to my son is to eat all the candy. But as his father, I know that is not what's best for him. And so I need to say no. Wait, you can have it later. And this is how God answers our prayers. He always answers them. Now, I, I was never much of a country uh, uh, fan. I, I just never loved country music. But there was one country singer I could put up with and listen to, and that was Garth Brooks. I don't know how many of you listen to Garth Brooks. So one of my favorite songs that Garth Brooks sang was Unanswered Prayers. You remember that song? Like, I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that even though he doesn't answer, it doesn't mean he don't care. I thank God for unanswered prayers. Now, first, that, that's terrible theology because God answers all of our prayers. But the idea that there are some times where God says no to the requests of our heart because he knows it's not what's best for us. I mean, imagine this. Imagine if thinking back and looking back on all of your prayers, if God had given you everything you had ever prayed about, would you be where you are right now? Or would you be sitting next to the person that you are sitting next to right now? Because there are some of you who, when you were in high school or college, prayed to marry somebody who is not sitting next to you, and God said no to that relationship so you could have this relationship. Would you have the job you have right now? And there are times that where God will say no to certain promotions and no to certain job opportunities because God knows that if you took that job opportunity, if you took that promotion, it might pull you further and further away from God because you would have to pour more and more and more into your job. Or it might pull you further and further and further away from your family and God is saying, I need you to press more and more into your family than pull away from them. And this is not good for you. In fact, this is what Jesus said as he's, he's talking about this in Matthew chapter 7. Notice these words. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For whoever, everyone who asks receives to the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. And we're like, I love that. So as long as I ask, seek, and knock, God gives me everything, right? Like he is this, this magic genie in a bottle and all I need to do is summon him and he will give me the requests of my heart. Until you see what comes next. You go, so which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So we know that God loves to give good gifts to his children. And God loves to give you good things. But the key is he loves to give you good things. And not every one of our requests like eating all the candy in our bags, is a good request. In fact, uh, my wife shared this with me this week, this post from Lisa Turkhurst. I loved how she said it. It says, sometimes God loves us too much to do the very thing we're begging him to do. That's his love. It's his grace. That's his mercy to say no to you. See, you and I, we think that the struggle is, is a God answering issue when maybe the struggle isn't a God answering, but an us asking issue because we know God always hears but he answers in ways that maybe aren't in our asking and maybe it's we need to consider our asking this is what first John says would you read these words with me this morning 
I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. Now, we love that last part, right? Like, God hears me, and so if I ask and He hears me, He'll give me whatever I want. But the key is in verse 14. He gives us two qualifications for how we ask. He says, first, the way that you ask is you ask according to the, what? The will of God. You ask in the will of God. And then if you ask in the will of God, you can ask in the second quality, you can ask confidently. Because God will always hear when you ask in the will of God. He'll always hear you. It's like this, and, and, and I'm guilty of this sometimes. So, so um, when I use my iPhone, and I am texting someone, uh, many times I will use speech to text. I don't know how many of you do that, but I love to use speech to text, especially because if I'm driving, then I can do speech to text. I don't have to, to use it. And sometimes it's just because I'm lazy and I just don't want to type it all out. So I'll use speech to text. And so I'll say something into my phone and then I'll look at what I said. and I'll go, that is not what I said. And so I'll delete the whole thing and then I'll do it again. I'll go speech to text and I'll look at it again. I go, not even, like, what is wrong with you? And then I'll find out by, by time three, four, or five that I am yelling into my phone because obviously if I yell at my phone, it will hear me better, right? No, right? Like, it, it doesn't matter if I yell into it or I speak, what, like, like, just speak into the phone. And I think sometimes it's like that with God. Like, God, maybe I need to yell at you. Maybe I need to scream louder at you. No, God says, I will always hear, but I answer not according to your will, but I answer according to my will. It's different. We want God to answer our whims, but God says, I don't answer according to your whim, but I answer according to my will. This is why God said to to Paul in 2 Corinthians, who said, Lord, take this thorn in the flesh. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. I'm not going to remove that thorn, but I will make you content in the midst of the struggles of your life. Or Romans 8, where God says that He works all things for the good of those who have been called according to His purposes. He says it may not be what you think is good, but it's what I know is good for you. And so if God answers according to His will and not His whim, then our question should be, God, how do we know the will of God? How do we pray according to the will of God? John 15, Jesus says it this way. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you want to know the will of God? Be in the word of God. This is why we encourage you to to be here in God's house because how do you know the Word of God when you are only in the Word of God once every four, six, eight weeks? How do you know the will of God when you're not in the Word of God consistently? Which is why it's our encouragement. Be here every week so that you know the Word of God so that you are more aligned with His will. Be in God's Word every day, whether that's reading a chapter or, or a paragraph or a couple of verses or, or maybe on your phone, get a Bible app that sends you a text reminder that shows up with a couple of passages of Scripture, an encouraging word, so you can be in the Word of God. Because if you want to pray according to the will of God, you need to be in the Word of God. That's the only way that you will be aligned with His will. Because what prayer does is prayer doesn't lift or bring God's will down to ours. But prayer lifts up our will to God's. 
So that when we pray according to the will of God, we can pray just as the Lord's Prayer teaches us and just as Jesus did in the garden, not my will, but thine be done. Because we pray according to the will of God. In fact, maybe that means that we need to ask ourselves, what are we praying for? Do you pray more for your circumstances or your salvation? Parents, what do you pray for your children more for? Do you pray more that they will hit a free throw or they will grow in their faith? Because so often we are more concerned with the things of this world than the things of God. And God says, don't pray according to your whims, but according to my will. Don't think that your prayers will bring my will down to you, but believe that what I will do through prayer is bring your will to me. I remember in the first years of ministry, uh, there was a family who would talk to me every once in a while at church, and they would constantly be praying that God would grant them a child. And year after year, like Hannah, they would pray this prayer, God, we want a child. God, bless us with a child. God, grant us a child. And, 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 and they wanted a child. And, and year after year, it seemed that there was no answer. But it was God saying, no or wait, or I'm going to answer your request differently. And, and at the end of that time together, in the end of that prayer t- time, I remember they came and said to me, uh, Pastor, we realized that God was answering our prayers. He was just answering it differently. And so we were approved this week to adopt a little boy. And God said yes to us. We're going to have a child. We're just going to have that child differently than we thought we would. What did God do? He didn't change his will to theirs, but he changed their will to his. Pray boldly, confidently. And while you're waiting for God's answer to prayer, worship him, trust him. Spend time in his word so that not his will, but your will would be changed to his. Because God, he will always answer your prayer for your good and for the sake of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen.